You are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Well, welcome, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I am your host, Kyra, and on today's episode, I have fashion designer Christy Pratt joining me today. She has got been, become a viral sensation after demoing her capsule dress on a Brooklyn sidewalk that's being able to that's able to be worn over 60 different ways that garnered over 20 million views and over 300,000 shares. How are you doing, Miss Christy? Thank you. For oh my gosh, I'll tell you what, I am just like so tickled to meet you. I've heard so much about you. And that I was invited to do this is just sort of like the highlight of my month right now. So I'm telling you, it's such a pleasure. And I can already feel you already that I just can't wait to start gabbing with you. So let's do this thing. Perfect. All right. So first things first, tell me a little bit about your background and where you're exactly from. I will. And first of all, tell me, am I looking at you when I'm talking or am I looking at me? Uh, You're (laughs) looking at... uh, me actually okay got it okay good because <laughs> I want to look at you um yeah techno- technology is not my for like tay and I will tell you this my um the way that I got here through morph is very unconventional so um my my grandmother passed away years and years and years ago um but about five years ago my father gave me a sewing machine from my grandmother mm-hmm. and I had never sewn really anything except curtains up until that point and but I felt obsessed to sew. I was living in Fort Lauderdale in this teeny, teeny shimpy shack on the beach with two kids um, and a now ex-husband. We're good. We're good. We're good. Um, but uh, I just became obsessed with sewing. And um, so I went and I found all these Vogue patterns at this thrift store. And I was like, oh, I've got this. And I'm going to make gabardine pants like Catherine Hepburn. And I'm like, I'm in Florida. Why the hell would I wear gabardine? Anyway, <laughs> I opened these, I opened these dress patterns up. And for me, um, I couldn't read a pattern to save my life. And I um, got very frustrated with myself and was really trying to learn how people do this. So backstory is that I am self-taught, um, which means, let me turn this thing off, which means that I didn't go to Parsons. I didn't go to Pratt. I didn't go to SCAD. Um, I have a BS in psychology. Um, so this was not ever part of my repertoire to become a fashion designer. Hmm. I will say that, um, I got really frustrated and I tossed those Vogue patterns away, but still wanted to sew and create something lovely. So I feel like I was like woken up literally like at four o'clock in the morning, I had two little, little kids at the time to start sewing and I would start sewing and start sewing and didn't know anything about creating a pattern or anything like that. And so I would go to thrift stores literally. And cause I was running out of money to buy fabric to keep screwing up. Mm-hmm. And so I would buy Jersey sheets or anything that had stretch because I figured if I could create something, what if it could do something else? And I, so I, I think sometimes like the curses that we kind of carry or sort of our deficiencies, like, my mind doesn't work like that because I'm dyslexic or whatever, that those things can kind of turn into a blessing mm-hmm. if you lean into them a little bit. Like, like for me, I was like, God, just change my brain. Like if you want me to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I'm just turning my phone off mm-hmm. and, you know, learn how to do this and fix it, make it, make it work. And he said, mm, 
going to fix your brain for you. I created you the way you're supposed to be created. And let's just see where this thing goes. And so in a way, by way of being dyslexic and ADD and whatever, and working in a very unorthodox way, um, I was able to create something really weird. You know, and really multifunctional. And I don't know how to sew a button or a zipper. And so you ain't ever going to have to squeeze yourself into one. You know, I mean, honestly, like, whatever so, works. Right. Well, and it's sort of like, what do they say? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I was like sweating my armpits off in Florida, South Florida. I'm a hot natured, fiery woman. And I would get all like dressed up and, you know, doing this to go out for the, then you're like, oh my God, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. And so I wanted something that I could like take off, cool off and pull my arm out and make it short and whatever. So that I wasn't like just roasting all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where the concept started. And then, um, I showed it to a friend who, um, I showed it to a friend she said, if this thing looks good on me, then we can do anything. She's a bigger girl, mm-hmm. taller. We we're opposite body types. And I was like, right, it's going to look good on you. So I made another one mm-hmm. um, and she loved it. And uh, which was wonderful. But, you know, I've gotten, um, I, there's a lot of, of stories about startups and a lot of pitfalls that we can all fall into. Um, this business has never had any financial investment at all. Mm-hmm. I sold the first dress off my back at a party. Wow. And went home in my friend's shorts and flip-flops, which I do not wear. I don't wear <laughs> flip-flops. Um, but so then I had enough money to make three more dresses and then I could make nine and then I could whatever. And so that's quite literally how this business started. And then before you know it, we're doing Miami Swim Week and Fort Lauderdale Underground and Chicago Fashion Week and all of these things because there's a need for something different you know, and there's a need for all women to feel beautiful. And this dress happens to really accentuate everybody's style. Like, I mean, I'm built like a 14 year old boy with boobs. I mean, that's all there is to it. There's no waist, there's no whatever. And so I'm going to wear it differently than you're going to wear it, Mm -hmm. but it's going to show off your curves. And all of a sudden your waist looks like this and it accentuates that hourglass figure that I know is hiding under that zoom call. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> you for a second. Um, but so that became a lot of fun, you know. Um, but it's been a long. It's been a long process, and I think when people see our Instagram or thirty-five million views on something or whatever, that it's like, oh, it's an overnight sensation. It's like I'm into oh, it. Oh, what is that? <laughs> um, but you know, they, they kind of want to say, oh, well, if only you could, or if I was skinny, I could wear that thing too. Or, and it's like, you get haters and you get negativity as you start to grow. And you know this, mm-hmm. um, but I can't be anything other than myself. And so I let things kind of roll off of me. And I, I just, I want every woman to feel beautiful and I want to do things that are good for the earth. And I don't want to lose myself in the process. And so it's been a slow growth process, but it's been, it's been worth it for sure. You know? Yeah. That's wonderful. And you know, my thing is when you see, when you think of fashion, a lot of times it has been garnered towards a certain type, a certain type of figure and size of a woman and the ideal looks and stuff like that. So 
to see that you've created something that is not only you're able to wear many different ways, but it's also awesome that you accentuate a woman's curves. You try to bring it out of them. It is not just exclusive to one body type. It is exclusive to all types of women. All types of women. And like, that's the thing. The deal is this. It's not the dress. And we've got other pieces. Not the nomad, Rob. It's not this. It's not that. It's how we feel and what we wear. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't buy this piece, don't buy this piece. But buy the things that make you feel beautiful and comfortable. This, you don't sacrifice comfort for beauty. And I'll more for you and show you a little reasons why. But when we feel comfortable, we feel confident. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what you, if, if flip-flops and shorts are your jam all day long, mm-hmm. but you have to do you, right? And when you feel like you, mm-hmm. you feel genuine. And there's an energy of when you walk into a room, people like, are like, huh, look at that, you know? Mm-hmm. And you might not have a lip gloss on, you might not be feeling it, but mm-hmm. people are feeling you. Mm-hmm. And so this particular piece is like a blank slate to express your creativity, to change your mind on a whim, you walk into a place and it's super, super dressy and you look like you're on the beach, then you change it up and you put fancy around your neck and all of a sudden now it works for you. And so I was always um, wanting to be dressed for the occasion that mm-hmm. felt like me. So I used to be a pharmaceutical rep. <laughs> corporate America. Oh God, it hurt. I quit. I quit three times and got rehired back. I was like, I need money, right? Help me, oh, y'all. <laughs> oh, but I, you know, but it felt like I was sacrificing my soul mm-hmm. um, to do something like that. Um, however, I remember we would go out after uh, work and everybody be in their suit. This is back when in Charleston, South Carolina, where I am. Hey, Charleston. Wait, are you born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina? I'm from Virginia Beach originally. Okay. I'm from Virginia Beach, so it's it's not too far. So I've always been a beach girl, but I've been on and off in Charleston for 20 years. I'm between Charleston and then Miami, Fort Lauderdale, finally back to Charleston. So Charleston is my home. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I get, are you from here? <laughs> Where are you from? Um, all the time, because I don't think I look like you're, you know, I mean, the, women come in all different shapes and sizes and colors and fashion and all of that kind of stuff. But I get a lot of, are you from here? <laughs> um, but you know, what's fun too, is that I've been really embraced um, in this community, which can be a little pink and green, mm. you know, a little, a little Southerny, whatever. And then I walk into a place and women will be kind of looking for a second. Cause I mean, the mad 50 almost. And they're like, I, love it though. I feel like people are like, mm. and before you know it, they're like, I like this, like, this is lovely, you know? And it's like, and I think half of that has to do with our vibe of being non-threatening and loving, but I have been more accepted here than anywhere. And in New York, I'd probably be a dime a dozen. So like, you know, we just got to work with what we got from where we are. Absolutely. Right. You're bringing the fierceness to Charleston, South Carolina. You're bringing it out of the people. Yes. (laughs) We'll see. I think those are supposed to get it well. You know what I mean? And that's how I just, I just kind of live. Like if I'm talking to like the queen of England or the homeless person on the street, I'm the same person, you know, and that works for me and it works against me in business sometimes. And I've made some bad business mistakes. I'll tell you that. Um, by way of, of trusting people I shouldn't trust or, you know, because I honor my word, I expect them to honor theirs, mm. but that is not always the truth. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so there've been some, some hardships for sure, but you know, we're getting there one day. I'm going to get a paycheck even from all the. So, okay. So now let's go back a little bit. So okay. you're deciding to go and demo this capsule dress. What makes you decide to go on a Brooklyn street corner and just start displaying it for the world? Like it looked like a beautiful sunny day. Like it looked like a day you could have a mimosa and an omelet or something like that. So what we had brunch previously and then the thought just yeah. came into that. Yeah. Like, what so, it's so funny. So the deal is this, um, we were in Brooklyn. I think it was for the MTV awards. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to walk the red carpet me and Andrea, Andrea and I, and I'm not sure which is right. Um, and so we were in Brooklyn and she's Brooklyn person, right? So she's hooking us up with all her New York people. I mean, and New York people, I mean, like, like New Yorkers, I'm not talking about like highbrow stuff. I'm talking about just real and they're all artistic and they're all just trippy. I thought I was like in sex in the city for a second. I was like, <laughs> you know, in a way, like none of them really had kids. And I was like, I think I could get used to this. Um, But the thing is this, so this dress, when I wear it, and I've literally worn it for like years, almost every day, because someone will stop me and say, what are you wearing? Like, I like this. What is this? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I have to show them, you know? And so like doing that on the street was like literally the 500th time I've done something like that. I mean, Mm. and I have people that are like, I just morphed in the post office. I just morphed in the grocery store. And it's like, because you can't help it. You want to show somebody what it does because it's, mm-hmm. it's so fun, you know? And of course, Andrea, who you interviewed just recently. Uh, and guys, if you have not listened to Andrea's podcast, listen to it. She's a gem. Andrea Serrano is just a, an incredibly artistic, uh, she's, I hate to use the word baller. We got to change oh. that. Yeah, but we got to change baller. Like when we talk about a woman who's a boss, we should use a different word. I don't know. We'll think, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll figure that out. Why, why we can't like, that's a manly kind of word. Um, but anyway, so I, this woman that I was passing um, on the Brooklyn street, I was wearing this purple, this plum colored dress. And she's like, Oh, I like this Haitian accent, beautiful, powerful, loving energy. I like this. And her daughter was with her. And uh, I was like, well, thank you. Thank you. You know? And, I was like, and it does a couple things. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, started doing it. And you know, she's like, wow. And like pigeons are flying by and like horns are honking. And but then people are coming down the street, like going like, what is this? You know, and that's the beauty of New York, mm-hmm. you know, is that people aren't afraid to just get in the mix. And I think that I don't even know what makes something go viral. Believe me, if I did, mm-hmm. I'd be a billionaire at this point, but um, it's like lightning striking. You just never know. And uh, hundreds of thousands of shares. And we have 33 or 34 million views just from our Facebook page. And then we find out like that other sites have 10 million views from there and 14 from their site and whatever. And so there is a beauty um, to the internet for sure. And we do have a very viral piece. Like this on a rack mm-hmm. looks like a baked potato. Mm-hmm. It looks like a piece that like people are like, eh, I don't so I, that's why I don't wholesale. Mm-hmm. I'm not in any boutique um, because it would take too much work mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, a, a somebody who's working there, who's 22 and chewing gum and on their phone mm-hmm. to like really show what this thing does. And so the beauty of social media is that we're able to do that pretty easily mm-hmm. by way of videos and such. 
There's challenges to that too, though. They just changed our algorithms. Oh. Made us pay for everything. Oh, <laughs> so, man. you know, stuff, stuff happens, but it is what it is. So how do you come up with the name? Because your name, the name of your clothing line is so unique. It is Morph Clothing. So mm. what was the idea behind the name Morph? Well, I will tell you this. Before I got into this, um, I was an ad man, a writer of commercials and taglines and all that kind of stuff. And I still love that. So I love branding. I love the creative. I like wordplay. Mm-hmm. And all that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to create something, a name that said what we were, what we do, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I had House of Sparrow and all of these like sexy highbrow names, you know, to come up with it. But like morph is like, it is, it does morph, it does change. And metamorphosis is like when we, we go from being like a little caterpillar to a butterfly. And like, that's what I want women to feel. Mm-hmm. I've had women that have been at like a trunk show and they're really curvy. I put them this dress on, though. Not not coming out. I don't. And then I'll, I'll please get out here. I'm gonna morph you right now, <laughs> you know, and uh, start tweaking it and and making it work for them. And I like it's all of a sudden they they feel beautiful. They see themselves in a way they haven't before mm-hmm. because I think curvy women put the box on and they don't have as many options and they aren't wearing things that accentuate their body because they've been hiding it. And so. My biggest joy is when women put this thing on and I, I might not wear it the same way they do because I don't have any hips, mm-hmm. but she does. And we're going to show those things off, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so that for me was just such an inspiration and it still is. Mm-hmm. Everybody is beautiful. Every shape is beautiful. And I want this to be that blank slate for you to decide what it looks like. You know, you wake up, you feel like leggings, you make it a shirt. You know, you get hot, you take the sleeves off, you do this. We need freedom. We need to make fashion art. Can you say bitch? Yes, you can. <laughs> um, but fashion should be our bitch. Like, here, what happened? Did we like decide that all of a sudden we had to like look like Kate Moss? Mm-hmm. Like, she looks hungry. You're too young to even know who she is. I, I just like who Kate Moss is. Yeah. Uh-huh. You sure? Okay. But, um, but so like, I didn't want, I didn't want us to have to work for fashion. We work too hard for everything else, you know, make it work for us, make it work for your moment, for your style, for your mood, you're hot, you're cold. You want to go to soccer, but you don't want to change. You make it a shirt, you know, like let's be easy. Time is of the essence as women and managing a life is really, really difficult and looking beautiful makes us feel beautiful. And when we feel that way, we emanate something loving into this world where we feel secure, you know, mm-hmm. we can fill somebody else's cup up. Mm-hmm. We can compliment the stranger when we feel good. Mm-hmm. And that to me is just really what it's about, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. So why do you feel like there's not as much diversity when it comes to the display of a woman in fashion? Why do you feel like it's only garnered towards one specific type of person for so many years the stick figure tall woman very and you know i think we all know that's changing a little bit right Mm -hmm. but it's changing by way of the dollar so Mm -hmm. most of these big fashion houses are like well okay body shape is changing and we need to sell to that and whatever mine just started instinctively you know that and as we age like when did age become ugly when did curves become fat Mm -hmm. when did like 
why are all of these things wrong? Like in my spirit, and I'm not a religious person, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm a God person and I have a connection to the whole, I haven't been to church in 20 years. So when I preach, I'm preaching on a bigger level. I'm not, what I'm saying is that God made you to rock you, mm-hmm. you know, and he wants you at your best all the time. Mm-hmm. And I want women to feel beautiful all the time. I don't, I have people that write like, well, I, I'm just waiting until I lose a few pounds to get the dress. No, mm-hmm. light the candles, drink the good wine, mm-hmm. invest in yourself, and then you feel better. Mm-hmm. You don't wait until you're perfect. Mm-hmm. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Never going to be perfect. God doesn't want you perfect. He wants you, you. Exactly. You know? 100 And uh, the way this is sized to the, just this dress, and then we've got other pieces coming, but it's just really your bust size that matters. So I'm trying to shake... I've never been a small, I'm a plus size woman. Well, yeah, but if you've got a 36 bust, all you have to do is have this dress stay up when it's worn strapless. Mm-hmm. Like I want to change, like people, are, my, my thighs are big. I'm like, this dress covers everything you want. Like, it's like, it's all, all about how you wear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a little difficult, a bit of a challenge that the sizing concept of, you know, people will order an extra large dress or something. I always reached out. I was like, just because you're an extra large and everything that you've worn does not mean you're an extra large in this piece. Mm-hmm. Like, let's change what this is supposed to look like, you know? And that's been a little bit of a challenge, um, but a good one, mm-hmm. but a good one for sure. But like I said, I create simple pieces by way of, I'm not a trained designer. Um, I am dyslexic. I do, I feel like Sisyphus rolling the boulder up the hill for it to just roll back down some days. But um you know, I've gotten so many words of encouragement about being an inspiration, which sounds really weird, but um, being an inspiration to others to love themselves and love them, their bodies the way they are today, you know? And this really changes. We just, You can wear this as a maternity dress before you're pregnant, after you're pregnant. It's the same piece. Nothing changes. And um, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to do something inventive and fun and I mean, and easy, easy for all of us, you know, and you succeeded because you're here today. That's right. And I'm on your girl, which feels yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. I've always been curious to know, how do you do the sizing process for your clothes? How does that usually work? Because like you just mentioned, like sometimes you can wear certain extra large in another brand and it's not going to be the same for your brand or any other brand. So does that work exactly? Right. Exactly. Okay. So let me show you real quick. I'm going to try to to do this. These are sleeves, right? And they do everything. There's two sleeves. So Oh, that's a strapless dress. I like that. I'm going to try to maybe move this thing back so I can show you just a little bit what I mean by sizing. Okay, so let's see. Um, and I've got a little belt on here. Okay. So, so you make pockets with the sleeves. You go like this, oh. drop them in. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden you have this like full length maxi dress uh-huh. um, situation. And so what you really want to do is you want to make sure that this fits here. Mm-hmm. Because you just don't want it to slide down. Everything else is really super forgiving. And so you use the sleeves to create a bunch of different looks. So if I had a waist. <laughs> that's yeah. You have a waist right now, though, but that's well, a little straight down. But right. like, 
for those who do, they want to wear it with this, the sleeves tied around here. So mm-hmm. you accentuate your hourglass, right? Exactly. You don't have to worry about how thick your thighs are or how big your booty is or any of that. And then, you know, with Zoom calls and everything changing, you just do a little bit of this. Oh, I love that. Right? And it just becomes super elegant. And you bring this down and you always feel a little pulled in. So even though there's a lot of fabric, you get to see this, this slim sort of visual happening, um, which feels really good. Like as we age, like I don't want to look like I'm going to prom. Exactly. I don't look like Lisa Vanderpump and squeeze into this <laughs> thing, you know, but I want to go and look and feel beautiful in an instant. And this is what this allows, you know? And, uh, and so it's, it's just, it's fun. And I think that when you get to express kind of who you are mm-hmm. and wear this, like not dressy, wear it with big clunky motorcycle boots and a jacket and a whatever, like mm-hmm. it's just a blank slate. And I think creativity and expressing yourself, I mean, everybody wears this piece so differently. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the most fun because I don't want you to be me. I don't want you to be the best me you can be. I don't want you to be the best you you can be, Kyrie. You know what I mean? Like, that's what, that's what I want. I want to bring it out. And all women that wear your clothes, bring their, their true nature out. Their true Absolutely. Nature. Absolutely. And make it easy. Easy to look sexy in two seconds. Yes. I wish I could wear something else. It's so funny. It's like, but I always go back to the more. So I'm like, years into this thing, I'm still not bored. Because it's just, I know that I can change it to look like a New York street vibe or a high cal, high cal, high calorie, high, high brown, like champagne toast and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, and there's a little bit of all of that in all of the, us, right? Mm-hmm. But change is a really important thing. And that's and why it's the fact that you also make clothes for people that are maternity clothes. You make wedding dresses. Thank you. I morph it to anything, essentially traveling. Like it's so convenient. It is convenient. It is. And, you know, the thing is this too, um, is sustainability is like really important to me. And I wanted to create something that you didn't want to throw away, that you could pack and take one or two morphs with you, a pair of white jeans, some sandals. You can wear it as a bathing suit. So this thing comes up, I don't want to show you too much, but it comes up as short as you want it, becomes a shirt. You can wear this to the cabana and get a suntan drop it down and then have cocktails in the evening and still feel like you're not schlepping your entire closet with you. You know, I would travel and like squeeze stuff into my thing and like it still wouldn't fit on the plane. And I'm like tossing stuff out and what can I live without? And there goes underwear and there's a one boot over there. And like, now I can get on the, I'm like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> stupid, you know? So I wanted to create pieces that were easy to travel with and easy to work with and, yeah. And be, be sustainable. Like, let's stop buying so much crap. Exactly. Everything I would, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never spent a fortune on clothes. I mean, like I'm a TJ Maxx kind of girl. Mm-hmm. Let's so, make that work. Ross. Mm-hmm. Like I would write, right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I was doing that for almost everything that I had to go do. Like mm-hmm. back when the world was still ticking and we had things to go do three times a week, I felt like I was shopping for every event some cheapy thing that I would wear once. Mm-hmm. And then I had to look at it the rest of my life in my closet mm-hmm. and hated it, you know? And it was like, if we can create something that you can change to suit any occasion, then you don't have to buy crap. And if we stop buying crap, 
they will stop making it. Mm-hmm. So how like pollution, and this was just so amazing to me when I really got into this, uh, fashion is second only to petroleum. Wow. And the amount of waste that it creates. Um, stunning, right? To hear this. I mean, clothes, you know, it, it, second only to oil for the filth that it produces, but to make clothes, to make a pair of jeans, I don't know, it's like 800 gallons of water and all sorts of crazy stuff. And we really don't think about that. But the average person, and not just Americans, but the average person throws away 80 pounds of clothing into landfills every year, 80 pounds. Multiply that by the, I don't know, 60 billion people. I'll get that wrong, but Mm -hmm. um, it's a huge waste. And these materials break down into our oceans. And then we're eating fish that have plastics in them and all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, how do we make this a better world for our kids? How do we shop wisely, um, not want to throw stuff away so quickly? Um, and so then the materials that I wanted to use became real important. Mm-hmm. And so um, most of my pieces, 99%, are made from um, modal, which is bamboo. Mm-hmm. And bamboo is very quick growing and it is very good for the environment and it doesn't tear up the soil. It's got very shallow roots. Mm-hmm. Um, cotton, on the other hand, is a huge polluter um, and it takes so much water and so much uh, pollution, the process and dying and this and that, um, that it's a nightmare and it doesn't last very long. Mm-hmm. It shrinks, it pills, it ends up in the landfill. Right. So if you start with a good and beautiful um, regenerative fabric, you're starting from a good place already. You know, Um, you're not doing a lot of damage to the earth to create something. And I think that's just so important. I mean, we're just I I don't know what the answer is for the environmental stuff, but I do know that we and how we shop can really start to change some of that, you know. And uh, so that's pretty exciting, too. I'm happy about that. Absolutely. And, you know, we're dealing with global warming still, you know, like you said, we're having, a, you know, when it comes to clothing, a lot of people just throw it away. I know people give it to Goodwill sometimes, too. But what is that really doing? You know what I'm saying? It slows down the process, but it still eventually ends up in the landfill. Exactly. You know, yes, it gets a little bit more use, but then it's still trashed at some point. Right. Exactly. Um, And so we want to we just want to keep that from happening. Um, and you know, I just want people to invest in themselves. You know, this is not a crazy high price point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see people with, you know, Louis bags and this, that, and the other and whatever. And, you know, seem to be like, well, that's just expensive for a dress. It's like two forty eight or something, mm-hmm. but all of these pieces are made by hand by one woman mm-hmm. who lives in Miami, who I adore. Um, and I, fabric comes at a high cost for me because I'm not a huge business. I don't source from overseas. Everything is from the U.S. And so you're getting handmade quality, um, which is really important to me. And I want to invest in our communities and our community seamstresses and so forth. And I want to keep it small. This might look bigger on Instagram and Facebook than it is. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm all fake it till you make it. <laughs> That's fine. I can't sacrifice my morals to make it bigger than it should be or faster than it should be, you know? So it's, it's taken a long time. Only 4%, um, Kyra, only 4% of fashion designers 
produce in the U.S. There's only 4% of the clothes in your closet that say made in the USA. Yeah. 4%. I want to change that. I really do. Um, so we'll see. Process has started. And so that's the thing I love about your brand, though. It's eco-friendly, eco-conscious. And like you said, it's important for you to get fabrics, to get material in that you're able to dispose where it's not harmful to the environment. Absolutely. So that leads me to my next question. Why do you feel like most designers and most brands don't source their stuff from the U.S. and they have to go outwards to source it and they don't use uh, materials that are going to be that are not harmful to the environment. Why do you think it's like that when it comes to fashion? Well, I think it's like that for when it comes to almost everything. I think um, people really want to grow really fast or maybe they start with a mega investment and they have to fulfill that investment. So they got to sell 100,000 units by Thursday. Or, or whatever. And so then they start chasing the penny, mm. the nickel, the penny. How do you make it cheaper? Let's, let's cheapen the fabric. Let's use a plasticky fabric or let's go overseas and use unethical. And not every place overseas is an unethical situation. I don't want to say that. Mm. There are places in Honduras, there are places in Asia that are now having to live up to the standards of the companies that they work for. Mm. So that could be changing. But I think most companies have to, they're out for the almighty dollar. And so to do that, they cut as many costs as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, you know, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's a small group. And if we can kind of grow slowly, slow growth is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's easier and they save a ton of money and their markups are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think they have the long game in mind. I think that they, um, want to be mega successful. And that's the fastest way to do it is saturate the market with something. But, you know, for me, Kyra, it's like, people aren't making this dress. People aren't making these multi-wear pieces that I'm making. I'm not competing with the pencil skirt or the other 900,000 pencil skirts. Do you know what I mean? I know I have something special and something different. And so in that, it's worth it. And if you can't afford it yet, and save up for it because it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to chase a nickel, you know, to save a dime. I'm just not. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that I will never source. If I can find a beautiful fabric in Singapore, mm-hmm. fantastic. There are artisans all over this world mm-hmm. for sure. But I will go there and sniff it and smell it and make sure everybody is well treated you know, and all of those things. It's not in the end, the end of the day, it's not about the almighty dollar for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about touching people and creating a platform to share that if I can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever that dream is. Mm-hmm. I don't have the education to do this. I have no funding. Um, no one's ever made this type of thing. Um, a lot of challenges, dys- dyslexia, they didn't get that out right. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of challenges, but if it's on your heart to do it, just do it, mm-hmm. you know, like living with the regret of not taking a chance. And it doesn't even mean being an entrepreneur either. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot girl, this stuff is tough, right? Yes. <laughs> I have a lot of grit to yeah. get through this mm-hmm. and feel defeated. And I mean, I, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation sometimes. So it's not even about that, but it's about just taking a chance and, if it's a half marathon, sign up for it. What the hell? You know, get three miles in, but you you, you tried. 
you know, and that's what I want people to take from, from me and from my story, I think is just that live from your gut and everything else will fall into place eventually. Absolutely. It takes some time. Yes, ma'am. And that's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point you made because a lot of people think that when they start off becoming entrepreneurs, that the money just falls into your lap. And a lot of people have to understand that there's a process to this all. You know, some people are blessed enough to go viral right from the gate. And then some people have to work 10, 15 years to get to a point where they're even able to make money off of what they're doing. So in your particular case, like you were saying, you did you have to invest in yourself? Like, was this money that you had that you put into the company to build? Oh, hell no. But what was the process and how? No, were able there's, to- not a, there's not a damn dime from anyone. I don't, I'm not in debt. Mm-hmm. I recently divorced. I had to make this work. I have to care for my children. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there was nothing and no business, at least that I know of, is like, I sold one so I could make two, but I sold two and I could make four. Mm-hmm. I'm just slinging these things out of the back of my car, you know, and, and it's still tough. I mean, I'm living in a rented house, you know, fresh off divorce and I, my ex and I are tight, it's a good situation, whatever, but financially it's, it's still a challenge, you know, and we're looking for investment now because who doesn't now it's time to scale. We have a proven product people need that people want so maybe there's a shark tank and maybe there's an angel investor just for you know media marketing spend which has gone up exponentially um but i guess so that's my point it didn't start the way it typically starts you know for and i always say for white people and i know i'm gonna get in trouble for that because i'm white but i'm native american and greek is what i am um but i'm just saying like if i started the traditional way with like i just have this idea and so daddy's gonna go ahead and get me a little shop and if it doesn't work no big deal and my instagram looks good like that's not this mm-hmm. you know and so my point is that don't compare somebody's a role that you see on social media to your b role life is b role for all of us you know Um, but one day I, you know, and I have a lot of faith, but like one day I don't want to worry about money. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to have enough money to bless people and to go to Africa and to go to India and to work in the slums and to inspire women and to teach them to sew and all of those things are so much bigger, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so if I, when I prosper, when we prosper, um, my goals will change. You know, I don't care about being famous. I don't care about being the next best thing on Instagram. You know, I care about my soul's mission. And I think for me, it's to see the God in you when you forget it and say, yes, you've got all these things and you've got all these challenges or whatever, but I can see in you the beauty and the gift and bank on yourself and give it a try. Because when you do, I feel like when you're in alignment, with what is on your heart, that things will start to open for you. And not instantly, but you got to have that grit that keeps you going. And you have to know what you're not good at. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a business person. I don't want to look at spreadsheets. I don't know how to use Google Drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are things that like I absolutely hate 
about running the business, the business of business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do have people that I can trust now that um, have taken a hit financially because we were in a bigger space and going viral and all of this stuff. And then COVID hits and then who's shopping and where are we going and nothing's happening. And ad spend goes crazy because we can't leave the house and algorithms change. And like, it's just, it can be the perfect storm sometimes, but you have to be willing to, to stick with it and to find some people that you can trust, um, really trust. Like I trust you before I trust you until you really, really, really screw up. And I've had to sort of change that prospect a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, now I, I trust and I listen to my gut, but um, I have to wait and see, you know, I'm too old to screw up again, really with a bad partner or a business partner or whatever. Um, and so I feel like we have to listen to our spirit. This is, sounds crazy. This just came to mind. Trust God but tie up your donkey. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that means. I, what it means though to me, I think is like, trust that this is coming to you for a reason, but do your due diligence down here, mm-hmm. you know, find the people that are willing to barter for, I, I need your brain and you need my brain. So maybe we can kind of do this for free for a bit and see what happens, you know, find people who can, can help you succeed in the things that you are not good at, you know? Absolutely. So, you know what? That's a good point. That's a awesome point. A great point that you just made about how when it comes to business, a lot of times you don't always know who to trust. Mm. And sometimes you have to go through that trial and error in order to figure out, okay, is this person going to work for my, you know, am I going to be able to work with this person? Are they going to stab me in the back? And if so, what can I do in a situation next time where I don't have to allow that to happen? Right. Actually, it was this is another interesting point is I I was listening to an eat um a interview that DMX actually just did on the Drink Chance podcast. Rest God rest his soul. But um, he had made an awesome point, and that was you know to trust the snake to be a snake. You know, right? When they show you who they are, yeah. trust it. Exactly. And that's not to say that you can't keep a, that, that's not say like if you have to work with them and you know that they're a snake or whatever, you know that even if they try to bite you, it's like, okay, well, I already expected you to bite me. So I'm not right. about it. I just that's try right. to be who you say that you are or sometimes that you don't say, but there's the discernment that lies within me. I'm able to figure that out for myself and it's trial and error. And that's what life is about in general. Absolutely. All the time. You're not going to make a million dollars all the time, but with trial and error, you may be able to become that overnight viral sensation, or you may be able to make that million dollars that you so deeply want to. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the situations you faced in regards to business and not being able to trust people? So what were Mm -hmm. some of those scenarios that you were placed in that you learned from? Well, I still think I'm legally not allowed to say too much. I I will tell you that I was in a situation where, like I said, I value my word above all else. And that's what I teach my children is that you're going to have highs and lows. You'll make money, you'll lose money. The only thing you really have is your word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I value that. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I am going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and not out of obligation. I'm done with obligation. I'm done with screwing around for someone's approval. I mean it deeply. Mm-hmm. I say it, I mean it. If I shake your hand, I will not F you over. Mm-hmm. Now, if they don't value their word, 
like you do. And that was my assumption. Doesn't everyone value their word? Doesn't everyone? The answer is almost no one does. Almost no one values their word. Um, so get things in writing. Um, you know, I was told to kind of keep my head down and sew and was kind of puzzled left and right about what was happening with the business. And it was essentially hijacked from me. And, um, you know, it was a very costly and humbling experience. I had to go to my father to help pay for attorneys, um, you know, to, to do this kind of stuff. But, you know, when they say that, you know, most people that have all this money went bankrupt 10 times, it's like, okay, I'm just trying to like provide and pay rent right now. Like I, I it's a whole different level. You know, when you hear some, some mega rich person is broke, it's like, oh, are they really, mm-hmm. you know, but once you've suffered those losses, you get a little keener. Um, you get a little wiser, you get a thick skin because as you start to grow, um, you get haters, you get a lot of haters and you have to, um, just start to ignore them that not everybody's supposed to get you, you know, and that's okay. But when they start saying, you're just, it's too expensive. And so I'm going to like give you a bad review on Facebook that I can never take off. And it takes my 5.0 to a 4.6, you know, it's like, so you get angry about it. Um, but I, I just feel like, listen to your gut, but, but listen to your brain too. And have even if it's one person, you want to, you want a, a devil's advocate near you. You want someone to say, I get what you're saying, but this is how it might not work. So then you anticipate how it might not work. And then you answer those questions. Okay. If that's the case, then how could I fix that? Mm-hmm. You know, you need so you don't want to be surrounded by yes people. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, yeah, anything you want, any, absolutely. You know, you want to be surrounded by at least one person who believes in you deeply, um, but doesn't just say yes. Who says, okay, like this could fail, and when it does, how do you get out of it? And if you can see it to the end and live with that, then you can go forward. But if not, then you fix the little steps to help get you there. My mind doesn't work that way. Uh, I have met a man uh, who is incredibly different from me and deeply the same. And there is such a respect uh, for the other, but he has habits and he wakes up at the crack of dawn and he does his reading and he does his this and he goes to the gym. And like the only thing habitual I can do is like have a glass of Chardonnay at five o'clock. Like, (laughs) but that's how we work, you know? And I loosen him up and he tightens me up And I know that he has my best interest in mind. um, And now he is part of the company, which is wonderful. But sometimes that takes time, you know, rely on yourself, take chances. And like I said, it's not just about being an entrepreneur, write that children's book that you want to write. Life is short. Mm -hmm. Life is long, it's short, Mm -hmm. you know, it's never long enough. And so if it's on your heart, one step at a time, go do it. And people, as soon as you start to do that, there's so many people, as you know, that probably came out of the world, girl, that ain't ever going to work. Mm-hmm. You need to be going to work for this or for that publication or for this or whatever. And you're like, how about I just start with what I have? Because mm-hmm. maybe what I have is plenty. Exactly. There's no one direct path to success. Success looks like spaghetti. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of does. And once we get over that, and we can handle kind of falling on our faces and pick ourselves up again, whether like it's trying out for choir at church or 
um, anything, you know, put your whole heart into it because regret for me is, I don't, I don't regret anything that I've done. And I'm, I mean, if you heard the stories, people would be like, well, why'd you leave a perfectly perfect job, making a ton of money? It was like, cause it's killing me. I can't, you know, they don't get me. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You've got people that want to keep you safe even, or, or don't want to see you thrive on their own because they're scared. Mm-hmm. But the more you thrive and the more that you live in your light, mm-hmm. the more they'll live in theirs. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I believe the more authentic you are, the more real you are, the more real they feel safe being. Mm-hmm. So they live in their space of growth and potential faster when we do. Mm-hmm. And we share that, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm sure that they're up there trying to buy your clothes now. So they want to tell you, hey, what are you doing? You need to stay here with me. And then look at it now. They're they're investing in you, essentially. So they didn't do it. They thought you were insane. And look what happened. You're you're selling clothes in Africa and Asia. Yeah, all over the place. It's amazing. You've been to the V, your clothes have been displayed on the VMAs, BET, on Country Live. Like, it is success. So, I mean, even with the haters, you know, you just gotta, you gotta block the haters out. People are gonna say what they're gonna say. Everybody's always gonna have an opinion. But at the end of the day, it is like you said, staying true to who you are and what you wanna do in life and not worrying about other people. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I always say it's just, it's not how many, but who shows Mm -hmm. in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And we get into this world of how many followers do I have and how many there's many that. And Mm -hmm. you know, most of the time I feel like people water themselves down Mm -hmm. um, to attract the masses, but you're attracting people that that don't even know themselves, Mm that they're just following around and whatever. Like, I don't care how many, but I care who shows. I want to make an impact and not by way of my clothes, but just, I want this to be a platform mm-hmm. and I want to make a bunch of money doing it so I can hit and run and get off the grid, you know, like, and, and just learn to paint and not stress and, and go do wonderful philanthropic things. Um, but success looks different for different people for sure. But you got to take a chance, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you, mm-hmm. you've taken a chance. You said, this is what I've got to work with. I'm going to buy the equipment. I've got a good microphone and I've got something to say. And even before that, you're an incredible listener who allows other people a platform to share who they are, mm-hmm. which is a really special place. And I've been through all the worlds of religions and studied Buddhism and Hinduism and all of these things. And there's things that are called the, the Bodhisattva is a Buddhist term who allays their own enlightenment to carry somebody else across the river, you know, because they know what that person needs and they can offer it to them and help them get there. Even if they themselves don't, Mm -hmm. there's a joy in helping someone else Mm -hmm. reach their potential and live life to the fullest. And that's a cool gig. I think that's probably a little bit more of my role than fashion designer and whatever, you know, In the process, this is kind of fun, though. Absolutely. But you know what? The beauty in hearing, listening to you and hearing you speak and hearing your ideas and your theories about things is is that your ultimate goal is to help people. 
You know, it's not just about you. It's about making people feel good when they're wearing the clothes, making them feel beautiful, garnering people from all different shapes and sizes. And it's not about just making the money. Yes, that would be nice to, like you said, to be dripping in millions and millions of dollars. But other people essentially extend. Yes. Right. You know, right. And and that's what I want to go viral. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Is to for for people to feel good and kind and loving, and we do that when we feel confident, right? Mm-hmm. And like I, that's what I want to go viral mm-hmm. is a sense of joy in the small things, you know, um, confidence that allows us to accept a compliment or to pay one to a stranger because we feel like our cup is full, and so we can pour into other people. Like that to me is the ultimate, mm-hmm. for sure. That's the ultimate goal. And you're helping women, you're helping women feel beautiful, feel confident, you know, and uh, yeah, just keep doing I can sense that you're doing the same. Absolutely. I try. I try. <laughs> you're, doing it. you're showing up. Yeah. I love it. So, okay. What was the process in you being able to create a blueprint for your business? Now, I know you said why you wanted to create Morph. I know you discussed the look that you wanted to have and everything like that, but after you quit your job working for corporate America, how were you able to get Morph off the ground? What was the process in which you had to go through? The process was really, it took me almost a year and a half to design one piece mm-hmm. because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the training, mm-hmm. you know, yada, yada, all these reasons why I shouldn't do it. But I also got obsessed with, with creating something and it was on my heart so much to do it that I couldn't really stop. And I remember, and I've said this before, and I always hate repeating myself, except your story is kind of your story, right? Mm-hmm. I've done tons of podcasts or whatever. And it's like, I hope you don't listen to other podcasts. And I was like, well, huh. that's the same thing. <laughs> but the thing is the truth. My son came to me and he was very little. He was probably six at the time. And I used to call it my clothis because it was the size of a closet and it was a closet, but it was my office. And when you sew, you have to be able to lay out stuff like, six feet wide and 10 feet long and all this stuff. It was just a cluster. Um, and he finally came into this little room and he was like, mom, like, what are you doing? Like, and it came to me to say, this is long before I had any clue, but I said, I'm starting a fashion line. Mm-hmm. And he goes, but mom, you don't even know how to sew. <laughs> and I said, oh, God, you're so honest. <laughs> I said, you're right. You know what, Connor? You're right. I don't know how to sew, but I can learn. Uh-huh. I can learn how to sew. I can learn how to do this. And if I could leave my children with any blessing of being their mother, it's that they can take a chance on themselves. And it doesn't mean success. It doesn't mean this. But you can do anything. Like, why do we live within limitations? They're just mental limitations, Right. Or we're afraid. I, and I'll tell you this. I sound like a dreamer, but I'm not. I mean, I'm honestly like I'm I'm scared. I was, you know, financially, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And like, I, I, I still have a little bit of starving artist syndrome, you know, of like, you know, Clay is like, okay, we've got to set goals and a pro forma and all of this our financials and if we sell x amount and whatever it's like it becomes manifested it really does mm-hmm. it's like write the stuff down it's like what everybody says right first of all like magnetize what you want mm-hmm. and then start to get there you mm-hmm. know but like 
every day. I feel like, I don't know where I put the list. I had a list <laughs> and I, think I wrote it in a journal and it's really cute, but I have no idea where it is. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so for me, it definitely wasn't a straight line. Um, like I said, I didn't have the backing. I didn't have the education. I just had the drive to follow my spirit. And I think that when we do that, it takes us to really weird places, mm-hmm. connects us with the people we're supposed to connect to. And I almost feel like I couldn't do anything else. Like I've had great jobs. I mean, and I can interview like a, I can get any job I want. I will tell you this and I'm not bragging, mm-hmm. but I'm empathic and I know what they want to hear mm-hmm. and I can say it and I can whatever. And I'm like, Oh, Shaka Khan. <laughs> I got that job. <laughs> moment. You know, and it's like, just because we can, doesn't mean that that's where we need to be. So I just might, I, I, I ask women, men, I mean, whomever, children, like, you know, and I've taught art and, and this kind of stuff to little kids. And I remember walking into a school, public school, and I would go do this art program and I would walk in and I would say, all right, so how many of you in here are artists? And none of them, and this is third graders, like mm-hmm. nobody, right? Yeah. And I talk about Picasso and how Picasso spent his lifetime trying to unlearn everything he learned. I mean, he could paint like Michelangelo when he was nine. Wow. Um, but he spent his life wanting to learn how to paint like a child, a child and forget the rules. Right. Um, and so I want even little children to understand that they too have value that Picasso this incredible artist just wanted to be able to paint and create something like you. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to have an end point in mind, you know, just, just, just start. Just start creating, start painting, start whatever it is, um, and just see where it goes. Mm-hmm. I think so many of us get caught up in, well, where am I going to be in five years? And how is this going to work? And whatever, that we get in our own way so much that we become disabled um, and overwhelmed and just don't do it. Mm-hmm. So just start, whatever that means. Like I said, if it's a half marathon or, I mean, and I haven't exercised since the 90s, but like, whatever it is to you, just don't be afraid to try, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you just never know what comes from that. It might not look like anything you expected. Mm-hmm. You and know, people are dealing with, you know, their own self-limiting beliefs. Like you just said, they're so in their head where they're thinking that they're incapable of doing something that they're completely capable of doing. Right. And right. Getting out of your head and allowing the artistry to just flow. Absolutely. Eat something and make some magic happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or if it's a parenting thing or whatever it is, like it doesn't all have to be the same. We don't have to be entrepreneurs. We don't have to be whatever, but like just get quiet enough to do something for you and and do it well, Mm -hmm. you know, and hopefully that will inspire someone else to do whatever their thing is. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we're living in a world where people are more content Mm -hmm. and less defensive Mm-hmm. And they're not trying to run each other off the road. And all of a sudden we start to love each other a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we live in our authentic places, not everybody's going to dig us for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, We're going to piss people off. Yeah. You know, if you're making everybody happy, just sell ice cream. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> but you have to stop seeking all of that outward stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. validation to really live authentically. And then the ones that come out of the woodwork and these opportunities that are gifted to me by way of Andrea, by way of you, um, those things will start to happen when you have something to say, mm-hmm. you know, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So after you got that whole situation started and getting the money and everything else, how did you find out where you needed to go for materials and who you wanted to help you with creating your fabrics? Because I know like once this whole thing went viral, I'm sure like your phone was ringing off the hook. Like we need order now, 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 now. Well, yeah. And you're right. We started selling globally overnight. Um, And literally, I'm going to tell you this. August 5th, um, 2019, I was, and I had to keep the best business kind of on the down low, not only from my ex, but a, a, a partner financial situation. But like, I remember thinking, God, just let me sell one dress a day. Mm-hmm. Like I'm crying and I'm like, come on already, you know? Mm-hmm. And by August 10th, we had multiplied that to a number that I can't even begin. And they were coming from Austria and Belgium and Spain and Asia and Brazil and whatever, like instantly South Africa kicked off and, and I'm trying to raise two kids alone in this teeny little house and figure out things that I'm really not capable of doing and learn how to sell overseas and customs fees and duties fees and calculations and stuff getting lost. And, and it was a crazy time. And I used to have this beautiful studio and now everything's in my living room and my life is a shoe show. But, um, but it was a blessing and it forced you to get your ducks in a row quickly. And I had to ask for some help, you know, um, but it wasn't overnight. I mean, that was, we were already for three years into the business before we had this overnight boom. Um, and like I said, if we could keep it like that, that'd be fantastic. But there's a place where that wears off and where ad spend becomes outrageous because of elections and COVID and, and, and stores closing brick and mortar. So everything becomes a premium and they pulled the plug um, on our organic reach. We used to have hundreds of thousands of people every day, see everything we posted. And that went down to 4% of what we had before. Wow. So just when you think <laughs> on this path, you're not on that path anymore. Um, you just have to get used to the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, sometimes life feels like it needs a bark bag, mm-hmm. but you just have to kind of like roll with the punches. You really do. You just have to roll with it and manifesting some, some structure. And I met Andrea mm-hmm. who made me really believe that I could do anything because she, as you know, Andrea Serrani, I'll listen to Andrea's podcast here because, um, she is just as vivacious as I'm sure she came off on on the podcast, vivacious, loving, giving, heartfelt, truly enjoys the artistry of what she does, which is production from start to finish of create your vision. I call her a brand accelerator. Like she's like, makes things happen quickly and just is so organized and so deadline oriented and focused, but also so creative. Like she's got such a balance between both sides of her brain And when I met her, like chills all over, we met at the Bennett Hotel in Charleston. And like, I literally thought I was going to have an asthma attack because I could feel her energy and knew that she loved our, I don't know, symbiotic sort of thing. And literally after that, I immediately met Clay. There was something good that was happening in March a couple of years ago. But then I was surrounded by people that um, said, okay, now we're going to go to the next level. 
And now I'm going to get you a spread and skirt magazine. And now we're going to go do Chicago Fashion Week for the second time. And hey, the VMAs are coming up. And, you know, all of a sudden those things felt doable because I, because I did have a, a handful of people who said, you know, we're going to hang in there until the money comes. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Like I got your back. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need. And literally it's three or four of us that do the entire thing. And, um, I just, it, it, I pray it happens that way for everyone, but it took a long time to get there and to try to find the people that believed in me enough. They would sing my song kind of back to me when I forgot who I was, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I feel just really super blessed for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and keep it small. I feel like people think that they need to run out of the gate and get mega investors and do all this kind of stuff. Then you're a slave to their money that you borrowed and have things that you've got to meet for them and start small, start small. Then you don't need so much, you know, you need to help provide for a handful of things and be able to go to Trader Joe's and stock up on some easy food for your kids, mm-hmm. you know, but then when it does grow, there's not a thousand hands in the pot either. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had to sell myself or my vision to Walmart or Target or whatever and work for them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to work for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to create and, and see where it goes. So success looks different to different people. Yeah. You know, and I've just, I'm not going to lose my spirit for it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about trial and error too. And ultimately with the trial and error that you face in dealing with this business, your paths were able to align with Andrea Serrano and Julian Taylor, who are helping ah. with the branding aspect of this all. So no, you me, do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, these women, it's like, a, they're like fire, you know? Yeah. And I'm an introvert. I know I don't come off as an introvert, but I am an introvert for sure. And I'm not afraid of people, but I don't expend too much energy where I know that it's wasted. You know, it just, I just don't need the kudos like that, you know? And so to be surrounded by like, literally like a Juju and Andrea and Clay. And and, I mean, it's just, it gives you the power to be who you are on a larger scale. And um, so, like I said, I just can't, can't say enough for, you don't have to have tons of investment. You don't have to have tons of education. You just one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. that's it just one foot it's a slow process sometimes mm-hmm. but uh you get there you'll get there and if you don't get there you'll have a hell of a story to tell mm-hmm. maybe that's my whole thing who knows where i'm going right. but i got a story to tell and that's the awesome thing about life is you never know where it's going to take you and leave you no, you don't going to align you with you know you don't you're absolutely right and i think that um we just can't get too attached to the circumstances mm-hmm. of our life Um, because circumstances are always changing, you know, um, there's always a lump to be found. There's always, you know, and the money's great. The husband's stuff is falling apart or there's a sick kid or nothing is ever altogether right. Mm -hmm. It's just not. And money can't buy that for you either. And you see tons of people who have tons of money from miserable or just lost a child or whatever. And, you know, I wouldn't trade my sorrows for anybody else's. You know, we all have them. Um, And so in that, we just have to go day by day with gratitude, Um, not rely on the things that can fall away. When COVID came, I was like, there goes everything. Yeah. There it goes. You know, there's been a lot of good in it too. 
and a lot of good in it. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't really realize is they're so focused on, okay, yeah, we know the, the, the horrible aspects of COVID with a lot of people passing away and, you know, not having a cure for the virus. However, it's like people have time for family now. That's right. And they're learning new skills and they're playing the piano and they're leaning into their families and they're cooking dinner when they would go out. And like, so absolutely. I just feel like in my spirit that nothing is wasted. I think God uses all the broken pieces of our lives, of your history, which I would love to hear one day. Maybe I'll interview you when I have my own. Yeah, that would be awesome. (laughs) We all have um, a lot of things that feel broken and that fell apart or that didn't work. And I think that in my spirit, I know that, that all of those pieces, when God puts them together and there's a reason behind all of it, and we can stand back and get a perspective, we're like, that first greeting card company that I started that didn't last but five years did this and that and the other. And you see all these little pieces of your life. Mm-hmm. And it's a work of art. Mm-hmm. It's a work of art. All of the good and all of the bad. It's, it's just, it's a work of art, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. It just takes perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So with working with Andrea Serrano and Julian Taylor with the branding aspect, how have you guys decided to come together with branding morph itself? Yes. What's the concepts behind that? Well, I will tell you, Julian Taylor um, is just uh, an amazing human being. And when I first sat down and talked to her, um, we have some funny stories about how we met and, um, but I was talking to her about something and she said to me in her very Southern voice, she's like, we're talking about negotiating and, you know, I need to get to MTV, but they want all of this money and whatever. And she was like, well, first of all, when someone says no, that's just the starting point for negotiations. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. <laughs> she's like, no, it's just a starting point, honey. And I was like, oh, wow. Cause no for me is like, okay, see you later. I'm out. Bye. You know, and she really gave me that confidence to say, Mm-mm. no, this is how we start to negotiate. Mm-hmm. I mean, that savvy does not live here, but it lives in Julianne's head and she's got my back. You know, mm-hmm. Andrea, like the vision that she has and the belief in, in Morph. And it's so funny because as a stylist and she's a stylist for Janet Jackson and Jennifer Lopez and Sex in the City and all of these incredible Vogue and Vanity Fair. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing with me? It's because she's authentic and lives from her spirit and it feels good. And I'll tell you what, she could wear just about anything and has a closet like you wouldn't believe. And every day I see her in a morph. I'm like, that says something to me. (laughs) But um, they're just loving. Um, They want the best for me as I do for them. And uh that support network of women who really care about you succeeding um, is just really invaluable. And uh, I mean, Julianne is a, is, is a smart branding person and understands affiliate programs and uh, influencers. And, you know, neither of them are scared to try new things. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're trying new platforms and TikTok and learning how to use this and whatever. I don't even know how to look at an Instagram story. <laughs> no clue. I don't want to know how, I just want to know it's working and y'all doing it right. And now we have Liza on board with us, um, Liza Malia, who's also a photographer and she is taking over some of the posting and stuff. And even the post today that she posted, she knows how I speak. Mm-hmm. She knows what I would want to convey. She knows that this is not just a business for me, but a place where I want to uplift others 
and she is able to craft things. She feels me and can share that, um, which is really amazing to me. Um, so, so yeah, so collectively and with clay, I just, it's just, uh, not only is he a beautiful human being, we have a special needs son, um, who is just turned 19. I have my two are 11 and 13, MS 12 and 14. And, uh, our family has grown and he left his beautiful park city to come and live here, um, because of his own hardships and COVID and nightmarish stuff, but we never know the blessing of it until later, you know? And, uh, so I've got a very full, very busy life, um, that I wouldn't change for the world. Now, would I like to be rich? Would I like to drive a nice car? Would I, yes. (laughs) Those things come, but they will never define me. They just won't. Anything that can be taken away by way of the stock market or what I like, all of these things are fleeting. Mm-hmm. What isn't fleeting is how we love each other on a daily basis mm-hmm. and that we live an authentic life. That cannot be taken away. So I'm going to invest in that and believe that the other comes by way of that. You know what I mean? Not not the other way around. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so we'll see. Yeah. So do you feel like your business has faced any challenges since the pandemic? Or do you feel like it's still been able to flourish and be successful even with the pandemic? Thank you for asking that question. I think it's a really timely question. Um, at first it took a hit. Um, no one was going anywhere. Um, I think it has shifted in that this is what we need for COVID. We need to make this thing a maxi dress and sleep on the couch and watch Netflix. And we need to zoom call and look fancy or our, you know, new man lives in Europe and we want to have a, a date night with him. I mean, like, so it's the perfect piece. Mm-hmm. So in that fashion is changing. We're not out there fast shopping for every little event, right? But we want to do something that we feel comfortable in and cozy in and can go take a walk with the dog and wear a pair of shorts with it. And um, it turns into a skirt and all of those things. So in that, you know, we've really sort of taken that sort of athleisurely feeling into an athlux sort of thing by way of the changeability of it. And so capsule wardrobe, living with less simplicity, buying better pieces, investing in better pieces that last a long time. I think that people are kind of getting turned on to that by way of COVID, you know? Um, And I, I, so I think that, I think we've got some floors. I think mentally, hopefully that changes the perspective of how people continue to shop. Um, Like I said, if they stop making, we stop buying crappy stuff, they'll stop making it. Mm-hmm. You know, and living with less is a lot of fun and packing in 10 minutes instead of two days and carrying everything you hate from your closet on trip and hate it everywhere you go. It's like, let's change it up, you know? And I think that, I think that COVID has kind of helped do that. Now, financially, were people spending X on a dress to go nowhere? Mm-mm. It was tired and quiet and scary, but we're coming out of it. You know, we just have to look at it as a cycle and and kind of flow with it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important. And for people in fashion, especially, and I've been in a lot of beautiful fashion shows with people that are well-trained, that are well-connected, that know every trend that's going on in fashion. I don't watch TV. The last thing I watched was Seinfeld or Modern Family. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) It's too too much for me. I'm empath. I watch the news. It overwhelms me. But like, I feel like... um, 
like, like things have changed. And I think what people do in fashion, they want to be the next best crazy thing and say they would create this very avant-garde stuff and whatever, which is lovely. But if you want to be a business, you have to find a need, right? You have to find a need and then answer that need to really be a business. So that's where I think a lot of time fashion designers that are much more talented than I am, much more well-trained, much more can craft blazers and this and frills that come around here. And I'm like, how do I put a pleat in this, you know? But I think that there's a disconnect sometimes between very high fashion and being a brand that people need and want to buy from. And so if I had anything to say to up and coming fashion designers, it would be fall somewhere in the middle. Let's create some things that are really fun and wild and people haven't seen, but that people need and can get a lot of use from. And it's not an easy thing to do, but if you want to survive and actually make a living doing whatever it is that you're creative at, find a niche, keep it small, you know? Um, But that that's kind of a disconnect somewhere. You're either very high fashion or you're not. And I think that you can be both But if you want a business and you want to thrive and not just walk, you know, the New York runways, but actually survive for five years after that or 10 or 50, Mm -hmm. you have to find a need and answer that Mm -hmm. with whatever it is you're doing, not just fashion, but you've got to stand out. This world has got a lot of great people that are smarter than me and have a lot more money to invest, but they're not necessarily going anywhere. Find a need, answer it. Stay close to it. Hopefully it's close to your heart, you know, and combined all those things into something that's actually marketable, I think would be my advice to an up and coming fashion designer for sure. Absolutely. So um, I know you referenced being dyslexic and throughout this interview. Now, how do you deal with your dyslexia when it comes to you know, dealing with your, your fashion line? Does it, do you face any challenges with that? in Mm -hmm. creating things or, and how do you actually deal with it? Yes. Um, it's very frustrating. I feel, um, like I just start working with fabric because I can't read a pattern, um, and then try to make it fit or do something wonky or whatever. And if it doesn't, then I try again a different thing and I'm just chopping up fabric. And then I try to make a pattern Mm -hmm. and then I try to use that pattern to make piece and see if it still fits. I mean, it's just, it's just wonky. But the thing is, is like when you, when you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you can't do either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like when there's a path to get there, like you you don't feel inhibited. Mm -hmm. Like I'm done feeling like, I just wish I would wish my brain worked better. And yes, all of those things, but it ain't gonna. So that being said, I don't know what I can't do. So I just get down and start trying and it takes a long damn time. I am not going to lie. I'm creating this jumpsuit that could be worn as pants, but I also want to create the jumpsuit that could be worn as pants. that fits a big girl up here who has a teeny waist. And you know, it's like, it might be a simple concept, but I'm asking a lot of it. Do you know what I mean? And so to roll that out technically is very different when I don't know what a bias is or this is, or that is. Um, but I hopefully have this young woman who went to art school at SCAD and, um, has some fashion design background. She's going to come and start helping me out a little bit, hopefully, because there are some things this brain just won't learn, but I have a vision for it. And if she can make a pattern based on something wonky that I 
put together so that I can get it produced easily and seamlessly. I want people to get the best product they can get. I want it to fit them. And sizing is a whole new concept for these, my audience. Um, so while the pieces might seem easy, some of the best ideas are. It just takes a little bit of, of crafting to get there. And yes, dyslexia has been a pain in my, you know what? Mm-hmm. But again, without it, I might not be here. I might've made the most beautiful gabardine pants you've ever seen mm-hmm. and look like Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> be selling against every other pair of pants on the planet. So is it a curse or a blessing? I think you it's know? Well, I think so too. Yeah. And I think that if we start to look at some of the things we think are a curse, we'll find out that they are blessings, right? Eventually. Sometimes it's a long time. Well, society tells us that it's a, it's a curse. Absolutely. You know? And that's why we follow through with a lot of these negative connotations, like yeah. dyslexia and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. As being the one that has a problem when right. you're allowing, you are allowing that not to define you in right. your creativity with your right. function. Right. And that's the beauty in it. Right. And I think that the more limitations we claim, yeah, I can't, or I just couldn't, or I whatever, like when you claim your limitations, they become yours. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and negative self-talk is nothing that we're, we're like free from mm-hmm. not even me, not you. You wake up and there's that little thing and I lost my keys again and I can't find my so-and-so people are like, what do you do to work out? I'm like, I wander around my house for hours looking for stuff I lost and trying to, you know, that's the ADD. That's just, and some days it gets the best of me. I'm not going to lie where I just want to kick my own butt and be like, why, you know? Um, But that's part of it. Um, This is my package that I have to work with, you know, and, uh, and it's a struggle and it's a gift and it's just part of kind of who I am you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and everything could be much worse, right? When you start to get down on yourself, you're like, shoot, I got this, yeah. you know? And, uh, and I think I do, I think I do most days, but if I could do anything, it would just be to share with others that believe in yourself. Um, if you don't believe in yourself, give it to God or whatever it is you believe in, you know, let your gifts be from him. If you feel like, or her or whatever, the universe, um, if you don't want to own it or claim it, or you feel ashamed or whatever, you know, shine, 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 give it away if you need to, but, but shine, because when you do genuinely, not for the sake of a pat on the back or whatever, but when you're living in your truth and being your weird, whatever that looks like, Mm -hmm. other people get to do the same. And that's really cool. You see other people kind of branching out a little bit and like, all right, let's get down. Yeah. Yeah. be comfortable. And that's where we thrive. And that's what attracts other people to us is, um, that confidence that doesn't come from ego. It doesn't come from I'm skinny. It doesn't come from I'm rich. It doesn't come from, it comes from within. Mm-hmm. And when we live in that space, that's when you attract your tribe. That's when I attract the Andrea, the Juju, mm-hmm. the clay, the mm-hmm. Liza is when I finally start to live in that space. I magnetize others that are like me that want to help, you know, and you don't have to get too convoluted and I need a this or that, and I need a legal team. And I need a, no, you don't just be authentic and you'll attract good people into your life. Absolutely. Being content, contentness. Yes. Ultimately, you are just be content, Mm -hmm. right? 
You don't have to settle. Yeah. Be content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Being content, you let your light, your light shine. And that's important. And ultimately that light attracts other people. You would light attracts other light. Sometimes Uh, darkness, but you definitely get a lot of light too. We do. That's, you know what, Clay and I had that very conversation today was that sometimes this earth doesn't feel like the good guys win. Right. You know, you're like, I mean, what's the deal? Like everybody that seems to be thriving has, you know, half evil or cutthroat or this and, and it, it feels that way a lot. And, and maybe it is that way a lot, but um, winning looks different for me, mm-hmm. probably. Winning is being able to live my truth, feel like I didn't sell out, mm-hmm. um, make what I make. I mean, like I said, hopefully it's going to be enough to share with the world. Um, but in the process, I will have lost nothing, even mm-hmm. if I lose everything. Absolutely. You know what? And I mean? you know what? The thing that I had to learn is someone kind of broke it down for me, which is no matter if you get a million viewers right out the gate when you launch the podcast, Mm -hmm. that small handful of people that are tuning in the first episode, that that can mean a lot to that person, whoever is listening. Absolutely. You may not touch a million people, but you may touch five, 10 people. And there's something within that podcast that someone needs to hear that you can help them with. And the same thing for you and your fashion line. That's it. You may not be super, super high fashion, but you're content with where you are. And ultimately it's something, it's a demand that other people want because diversity mm-hmm. is not something that you see within the fashion industry too much. No. Venti, you know, yeah. who's kind of breaking down those barriers and touring and all these other, you know, plus size fashion lines that are kind of out there that have been around for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's the beauty in this is like, there's so many people in this world. Why is it that, you know, one sort of person is always, you know, idolized? Yeah. There's, there's more to that. So that's awesome that you're doing what you're doing because you're realizing, hey, this is this is for everybody. I want to touch everybody with my clothes. Yeah. It may not be you talking, but just your fashion in general. You're making people feel good. You're making them feel loved. Like, oh, wow, when I go to the store, you know, it's I can actually fit into something and it's beautiful and I can wear it so many different ways you know yeah. yeah everybody should have the, the freedom to feel and look beautiful and we did the trans show the for, for transgendered women um uh, in chicago for chicago fashion week um had 19 incredible trans women walking and they were all there representing um a trans person who had died by the hands of a hate crime or or suicide or whatever and golly they looked so gorgeous and i just i felt so proud to offer this piece or whatever it is I do to make every woman, every, I mean, men wear the nomad wrap and whatever, but just to feel beautiful and to feel comfortable. And, and yeah, like I said, comfort is where, where beauty starts. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it's been a good thing. It's been a good thing for sure. Yeah. A lot of reflecting going on right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, because reflection is learning. So that's that's right. (laughs) That's right. That's right, for sure. So tell me, what does Morph have in the works right now? Are we working on any new things that we're going to launch pretty soon? Or what do we got in the works? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, Yes, we're actually launching a piece called a Moda, um, which is a, it's like a, a column that can be worn across the bust underneath or over the dress or over the shoulder for um, just another sort of piece of color. Um, It's a belt. So everything that I want to do, I want to have multiple uses for. 
again, so it's not something you want to throw out. You don't need 15 belts when you can wear this thing a thousand ways or wear it even to the beach or wear it instead of a bra or so we're coming out with the Moda very soon. Um, it's being made right now. And also I met, I touched on this jumpsuit that is going to be so badass mm. um, in my pockets, but that um, it can be worn as pants. Mm-hmm. And then, so you pull the top down and then it's just pants with a nice wide waist. It's super comfy, but mm. the pants themselves are palazzo pants that can be tied into harem pants or genie pants or whatever, like whatever is your style you'll be able to do. And so that's another piece. And then I've got this goddess dress and then I've got, you know, a thousand other things. But like I said, everything takes some time. And and part of that is that I am not trained that I am dyslexic and that I do need help in the, the, the math of crafting these things to actually go to market and physically sell them. And now when somebody buys your piece in Ireland and they pay $140 in customs fees, you got to get that piece, right? You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't screw that up. And we don't, can't take returns and stuff from overseas. So like, I have to make sure this stuff is right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get nervous and it takes me time to feel bold enough that it, and a perfectionist on top of it. Um, so that, that, that makes things slower. And then sourcing the fabrics, fabrics is a nightmare for me because stretch is everything. And if it's not the perfect stretch mm-hmm. um, and getting prints is a nightmare because you fall in love with the print but then you make a small and all of a sudden a small doesn't stretch the way the other small they bought was. And then it's this, you know, I want to make sure they're getting exactly what they want. Um, and so that's a challenge, but I'm working on it. I've got people on the streets of New York right now looking for stuff for me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, but sometimes it's a slower process than I would like. Um, and it's very frustrating. Um, but that's sort of part of it too. And in the meantime, we're getting our ducks in the row to launch in a big, big way. And we're seeking investment, not a huge investment, but it's time to scale for sure. We've never had investment looking for some investment for ad spend and producing these, uh, these new lines. And there's just a lot of places to go with this. And we get a ridiculous amount of traffic on our website. And I think half of it is some looky lose. They're like, what? Like they don't even go to intend to shop. They just want to see what it is. I'm not saying that's converting into like, I'm just saying that we do have a lot of eyes on us. And so I want to be able to offer them a lot more um, products that are really fun and really good. But I expect a lot out of these pieces. That's great. You put a lot of your heart and soul into your pieces and then you let it, it speaks for itself. I'm looking at it right now and here in the flesh and it looks amazing. And the fact that you can, it's so multidimensional. It is. It's super fun. I got to get you in one of these. Yes, I need one. It's terrible. When I'm going on planes, like I have a whole suitcase from shoes. Oh, suitcase from clothes. I probably like two or three suitcases. So it's crazy. You might as well be traveling for a month if you're going to travel for two days. That's how I feel. Like typically in the past, it was like two days or two weeks. I'm still taking all of it. Yeah. And uh, we got to change that. We got to travel light. Yeah. You know, look good fast. If we're hot, we can cool off. Like, this is stupid stuff, but like, let's just do that. And then we'll feel better and it's easy and it's fun. And it's not such a burden to go someplace, you know? Exactly. You feel free. Exactly. Time, time is fleeting. We got to like get out there, you know? Yeah. Mama's in desperate need of a vacation right now. That's right, girl. <laughs> oh, I just want to run sometimes, but 
you know, I've got a lot of wonderful things happening here and a lot of uh, things to be grateful for. But there are days where I was like, I'm like, I want to talk to anybody. I want to sit on a beach. I want to drink rum and like be someplace tropical and just forget it all for a while. You know, if you could just like stop time and then come back and everything was just in its place and people didn't even know you're gone. You're like, that's what I want. That's my superpower. Like invisibility. Well, uh-huh. <laughs> gone for a while. Okay, back. I'm good. We morph into a genie. <laughs> that's right. I need you. Right. That's so, right. So with you being having such a busy life, dealing with fashion, you know, having your children, how do you balance your work life and your, you know, home life? How do you balance those two? Very poorly. <laughs> Still work in progress? Very poorly. <laughs> so Clay, um, my lovely man, for my birthday, I love him. He bought me a chiropractic visit. Wow. You know, because I'm like always hurting and always this and complaining and stuff. And it's just not something I would prioritize for myself. Um, so I need to get better with self-care. I mean, like a wax my own eyebrows, a paint my nails. I, you know, I just kind of do everything and don't really take the time to regroup and, and, and do the things that I should. I'm getting better. And he and I enjoy each other's company so much, which is good and bad because now we sit on the couch at night and talk and listen to music until like three o'clock in the morning. And we're old. I mean, it's like, shouldn't we go to bed? (laughs) Um, But it feeds my soul Mm -hmm. and it feeds my spirit. Um, I never want to neglect my children for work, but I think it's also important that children get to see what it looks like to create success and that they're going to be fine. You know, that we don't have to be helicopter moms and all up in their grill and you know, showing up for every little everything, like it takes work to get there, but it's worthwhile. And I know that they're proud of me and they definitely know who I am. Um, And I hope that whether it's being an entrepreneur or not, that they understand there's a lot of joy and a lot of sacrifice, but we can never be everything, everyone all the time, period. So when I'm deeply diving into my kids, nothing got done at work. You know, when I had kick-ass day. I, you know, started dinner at nine o'clock at night. So we have to be okay with that. We have to let ourselves off the hook and that nobody has it all, Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And so we just need to realize that when we compare our lives to other people and stuff, it's, it's just a wackadoodle thing down the drain. You know, we just do the best we can every day, but we're not going to knock it out of the park. Not every kid is going to be pleased with us. And I don't make, I mean, homemade cookies are from a tube, but I made them at home. So they're homemade. I got to be fine with that. You know, I'm not going to bust myself up for like, I just can't. It's not my gig. Not this lifetime. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. Right. That's a self-acceptance that I think comes with age too, that I'm not going to be all of those things, but I'm going to be me and I'm going to do my best to, be stable and loving and authentic and genuine and make my kids laugh. I mean, we laugh like, like you wouldn't believe. And, and funny is so healing. And um, yeah, so I, I don't have any work-life balance, none, <laughs> but I'm getting, I'm going to get there. Like I said, I'm going to get there. I'm going to start to do things that, that are healing for me mentally and physically. I'm at an age where I have to, 
because like I creak. <laughs> God's like, it's time to work on it. You want to stick around? You got to exercise every once Okay. You know, so for me, exercising, like I've never been a gym person. So me, I'm at home walking. I'm good. I'm yeah. Good. That was enough for me. That was enough, right? But see, you can't compare. I really need to get to that bar class. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I get dressed up for that and wear lip gloss and fancy Lulu. Yes. I'll, I'll stay at home and do my beach body for 10 minutes. Yeah. And sit down and take a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's just about doing you, yes. you know, and accepting that, that you is plenty. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's at the end of the day, that's how we have to feel, you know. And it works for you. So, yeah, it, it's it's a, it's a balance because it's working for you and you're still able to get your work done and still produce and make sure orders are out on time. So, yeah, it, it, you, you found a balance. It's working. It's, sort of, it's working. I'm tired. I know. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I got, yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. And I think we need to take it easier on ourselves a little bit. Give yeah. ourselves a break. Yes. You know, have a bad day. Have a bad week. But surround yourself with people who forgive you when you screw up, you know, and forgive them in turn, right? That's the best we can hope for, I think. And I've got that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So let everybody know where they can find Morph Clothing and your social media handle, too, where they can connect with you. Sure. Yeah. So MorphClothing.com, and it's M-O-R-P-H, Morph, like metamorphosis, like a butterfly or moth. Um, morphclothing.com is where you'll find us on Facebook. We are just morph clothing, um, on Instagram, damn Instagram. I think we've got less than 11,000 people on that thing. It's been a slow crawl, but, um, we are at, at morph underscore clothing on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, we do a lot of Facebook lives every Wednesday. I have no idea what I'm going to say or talk about. Um, but it's fun and we get to reach people all over the world instantly and talk live to them, which is a whole lot of fun. Um, so yeah, so I know that like you young folk, I don't know how old you are. I don't want to ask, um, <laughs> but Facebook, but there's a lot on Facebook. We have a couple hundred thousand followers that are, um, just as good as gold. And what's fun too, is that like, if there's somebody who says something snarky on a post, I've got clients slapping them down and you know, given the beauty of why this doesn't, you know, and it's so it's fun. Yeah, that's right. We created a squad of good people who get it. But check us out there. Check us out there. And if we can figure out TikTok, I don't know, maybe I'll be doing some like crazy stuff on TikTok. Maybe not. I have to figured out TikTok. I'm like, I just, it's not even me at this point anymore. I'm just like, eh. It's hard keeping right. up social media sometimes. Yes, it is. And I'm like I said, I'm thankful I've got a lot of smart people in place to kind of kind of do some of that for me, or I would probably still be slinging dresses out of my car. <laughs> right. so, so surround yourself with, with those who, who can help you with things that, that are not your forte. You'll get there a lot faster and a lot easier for sure. 
for sure. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today, Miss Christy. It has been a pleasure to be able to have you on to talk all about morph clothing and learning more about you. So I want to thank everybody else for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. Once again, I am your host, Kyra, and you can also connect with me on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney. If you'd like to help the podcast Vibe Selection by donating to Patreon, you can do so at www patreon.com slash vibe selection or if you like any vibe selection merch you can grab that at www.teespring.com slash vibe selection once again i'm your host kyra and i want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of vibe selection i'll see you all next week bye (laughs) thank you for joining vibe selection with kyra come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection.